0: Um, uh, several, uh, probably about a year ago, we introduced a new floating series called My Story. And a floating series simply is a series that we come in and out of at different points of the year. And basically, this My Story series was designed to be sort of an on-ramp to preaching for those who are developing, developing being developed Excuse me, as leaders and preachers in our church, Uh, It's an opportunity for them to get their first experiences preaching a message in front of our audience here. And so one of the things that we desperately want to be in this community is we want to be a training and equipping church. Many of us who are key leaders in this church are key leaders and are able to lead and to preach and to do the things that we do because somebody gave us an opportunity to learn And somebody gave us an opportunity to practice. And so one of the things that we're really uh, careful to do here is to raise up new leaders and give them opportunities, frequent opportunities, to be who God has called them to be. We especially want to be a place that develops women leaders and women preachers. Lots of churches don't believe in that, but we believe that God is empowering all people to do his stuff and to walk out who he's called them to be. And so I'm going to ask Mandy Speakman to come up and to... And to fi- finish our uh, My Story series.
1: Hello. Good to see you today. Thank you for that. That was encouraging. Um, my name is Mandy and I'd like to welcome you to the South Suburban Vineyard Church. We're really glad that you're here. I want to extend a special welcome to everyone who's visiting. And anyone who's listening to us through our website or our podcast, please know that you are welcome to join us on Sundays at 1030. Well, if you don't know who I am, I'm a proud member of the SSV. I am a part of the Kids Church Ministry. I greet you at the door, and I had the privilege last year ...of co-leading a single ladies small group. Ladies? Woo! Okay. Alright, so um, I love it here. It's wonderful. It's a beautiful community full of real people who love Jesus. But I actually didn't love it at first. Uh, well, I started coming here back in the fall of 2012. But I was invited by Annie Wilson in 2009. We were a part of the uh, Bible study together, a women's Bible study... And she was passing out invite cards for this new church that was getting started in Flossmore. Well, I, w- I was already a part of a church, so I politely declined. But my church actually sadly dissolved for different reasons. And so in 2012, that's when I started looking for a new church. I came here, and it was good. It was good, right? But, um, but... One thing actually happened that was really cool. I got an invitation to go out for coffee. Um, None of the other churches that I was visiting did that. So, Shannon, who's one of the pastors here, she's Gino's wife, she invited me out for coffee. Now, anyone who knows me knows that this is a really good thing because I love coffee or the fruity drinks that you know seem like coffee. And I love quality time with people, and I also love just going out like to Starbucks, you know, with people. It's just really a lot of fun. So we go out, it's it was a great time. She seemed really interested in my life. She wanted to get to know me because I was visiting, that kind of thing. Well, I figured I should come back to the church after that, you know, because she took me out for coffee. I, you know I just felt like, well, I should probably be playing so i go I come back a second time and then a third time and a fourth time, and I ended up obviously coming here i was um, I was baptized here actually in two thousand and thirteen, which is kind of interesting because I've been a Christian for most of my life. You'll hear that in my message, <clears throat> and I was baptized as a baby, but I always thought that it would be really cool to do the whole immersion thing, um, you know. It's a really cool symbol of just dying to yourself and your own desires and becoming alive in Jesus. So, I got baptized here in 2013, and I've been really involved ever since. So, yes. Uh, But, like Gino said, I am plugging into the My Story sermon series. And I love this sermon series because I love hearing people's stories. I love hearing about where people have been and what they've been through and how they've gotten through it. I love learning about people. But sometimes I think that we put a separation between us and others, and we, we, we make the separation maybe how they look or how they speak, where they're from, what they do for a living, and we believe that that separation makes us, you know, different from them and that we could never be similar. But when you hear someone's story, I believe that that changes. That separation dissolves because that person becomes like you, a human being. So you start to relate to people. Your commonalities increase and your differences decrease. At least that's the hope of telling real human stories. So I want to share my story with you today. Specifically my story of faith. There have been many times when I've had a lot of faith in my life. And there have been many other times when I have not had a lot of faith. And when I've really clung to a lot of fear. I have become very good at thinking about my fears and anxieties and talking about them. I'm very good with operating out of my fear. And so you may not know that about me, but this is my story. So I get really good about speaking my anxieties and just training myself to fear rather than to cling to the faith that I have in Jesus. The, The faith that I have that he is my hope and redemption, but many times I don't act like that. So, I want to share these experiences with with you, these fearful experiences, because that's when God's actually worked the most in my life. He's really helped me to work through my fears until ultimately I've let them go and chosen faith over them. So, He's given me confidence in not only myself, but in Jesus and in the fact that He values me. His presence does not compare to anything else, His peace is real. His love does not change for me, and he constantly directs my steps. So today I want to talk to you about how he has replaced my fear that I've always clung to with the the confidence that I've always been meant to have. So my story today is entitled Replacing Fear with Confidence. I want to tell you a little bit about how I grew up. I grew up in a very safe south suburb about 20 minutes away from here in a... In a Christian home, in a safe Christian home. It's very cliche, right? Um, I'm the youngest of three, and I am your typical baby of the family. So that means that I seek a lot of attention, and I normally get what I want. Uh, but, But I am very responsible, and I do follow the rules, which is not typical baby of the family, okay? Okay, so I accepted Jesus as my Savior when I was five. I remember sitting around a table in Sunday school, and the teacher was leading us through a prayer of salvation. Now, I don't remember what I was thinking about, but I'm pretty sure it was two things. Jesus loved me, and I was going to heaven if I accepted him into my heart. Now, at five years old, your understanding of God and Jesus is pretty limited. And you do what you're told when you're five. You believe what you're told. So I believe this. Um, But God, you know, I believe he grabbed a hold of my heart at that time, even though my understanding of him was very basic. So I believed it at that time, but again, it was just, it was a very basic thing. Um, My entire childhood and teen years were filled with biblical teachings. I grew up in the church. I was always in youth group. I was always in a Bible study. It was not uncommon for me to talk about, Or here, you know, God loves you, Jesus died for you, the Holy Spirit lives in you. All those things were just very common in my life. Well, even though they're very common, I didn't really experience God until probably junior high, high school. When I was specifically involved in youth group, and that's really when he told me that he, he really values me. He really values me. Like I said, I was very involved and the reason why I had a sense of belonging in my church was because I had friends and the youth leaders were really investing in me. That's it. I mean, that's kind of the perfect combination, right? You have friends, and you have people affirming you as a person. Now, they were investing in me appropriately. I want to add, but they were telling me, I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, they were telling me that you know I was valuable, and they really saw different things in me that I was, you know, that I had leadership skills and, and things like that. And. You know, when your family tells you that you're great and that they love you, like, you, you receive that, right? But it's something different when someone else tells you that. When someone else tells you that, oh, you know, I think you could be really good at that. Or I think that you have this skill of, you know, whatever it is. So I really developed a sense of belonging and confidence. This is especially important because I really struggled with my self-confidence. Being the baby of the family, you know, people told me what to do and how to do it. And I, I was fine with that. And that's, that's okay when you're young. But I really continued in that. I didn't really trust myself to make decisions and, you know, to have the ability to do things on my own. And an example of this actually is, like, third or fourth grade, I was, you know, whenever I was called on in class when I did not raise my hand... I would almost start crying, and this sounds a little silly now, but I would almost start crying because I, I was so nervous that people would like laugh at me at what, what I was going to say, or the kids would think I was stupid, and things like that. So it was kind of extreme, but now you can see that I'm not shy, and um, all of that. So, um, <clears throat> so especially in high school, you know, God really used the, the people in my life in youth group to tell me that I was valuable, and this really made me believe that I was valuable to God. If these people are seeing that I'm valuable, then I must be valuable to God. Ephesians 2:10 says, "For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do all the good things he planned for us long ago." So we are not a mistake. We are not some random thought that God had. He purposely made each one of us, and we discover that purpose when we are in relationship with him. But it's not so easy to invest in that relationship. Um, it's not just a one-way street where God is just, like, feeding you all these good things. We have to invest in that. We have to do the work ourselves, too, right? Well, the first thing that I really did um, in terms of investing myself in this relationship, investing myself in his purposes, was when I went off to college. Now, I, I really felt like he replaced my fear of being alone with... His presence—that his presence doesn't doesn't compare with anything else—and that I couldn't receive his presence in any other way. So I went to Northwestern College in Iowa, So Orange City, Iowa. It is the middle of nowhere, Iowa, really. Okay, Um, it's really in 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 cornfields. Like we were an hour away from every city. Like it was crazy. So you might ask, like, why did you choose that college? Like I'm, you know, this Chicago suburban girl. Well. I really chose it because of the people. I chose it because the people seemed really genuine, and I felt like this was going to be a good, safe environment for me. Now, I was going from one Christian bubble of of a high school youth group to a Christian bubble of of a Christian college. Now, I admit that, and I can see that, but it was going to be different for me because I was doing this on my own. I was going away to college, nine hours away. I was the baby of my family. I relied on my family for everything. And for me to do this is like a huge deal. A lot of people see going off to college is like going to party and getting away and like get out of here and all that. But um, for me, it was, I, I felt like I needed to be more independent, stronger, that kind of thing. Well, I remember <coughs> leaving my parents when um, when they dropped me off for college. They were there for a couple days for like orientation parent stuff. But then they had to leave. Well, we um, are in the parking lot of my college dorm. And we're standing by our, our minivan. And so we're saying goodbye. This is the only time in my life that I've seen my dad cry. So this is a big deal for all of us. So we all say goodbye and I walk into my dorm room. And I'm by myself. I'm very aware that I'm alone, and I'm very aware of my fear at this point. And it wasn't like a, a loneliness. Like, I feel like that's too trite of a word. It was like I couldn't, um, like, no one else could understand what I was feeling at that point, And no one else could comfort me at that point. So I felt really weird about experiencing this because I felt like I should be excited. But I, it was just a very fearful time. So I felt very fearful at that moment, but I felt like I needed to just sit in my fear and just kind of be okay with it. But then that's kind of, that's when God brought his presence, and I felt a lot of peace. So that was the first time I really feared something in my life, and that's also the first time that I ever experienced God's presence. I had nothing familiar around me, and nothing else could comfort me in that time except for God. This reminds me of my favorite verse. This is my life verse. Isaiah 41:10. So do not fear for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This has been my favorite verse from like age 12. So I feel like this is kind of the theme right here. Do not fear. Have you been in a situation where you have been struck by the presence of God? Has he ever taken you out of all of your noises and distractions? And has he given you his presence? Think about that. If you have been in that kind of situation, think about or ask, God, what did you want me to gain from that experience? What did you want me to learn? You know, write it down. Like, I'm a big journaler, so you could, if you, you know, if you're into that, that would be great to write it down and just remember his faithfulness to you. maybe it's not better okay we'll work we'll work on that okay um so I really I really feel like we need to remember the times when his presence has been very much made real in our lives he taught me that his peace is very real and in this next part of my story it he brought me into an even deeper peace with him I was really learning to get out of my comfort zone. So I want to tell you about my solo experience, but I need to set this up. Okay. okay, so I got really acclimated to college life, of course. You know, people were great, and I really spent more time with my friends than I did studying. And people, again, were really investing in me. Um, some of these people were resident assistants. And if you're not familiar with that, a resident assistant is an older student who is in charge of a floor of people. Normally, it's, you know, girls are in charge of girls, guys are in charge of guys. Normally, at a bigger school, RAs are in charge of, like, discipline and making sure people are doing what they should be doing and just kind of keeping order. It's kind of like a boss, maybe, type of thing. But at a smaller school at Northwestern, it was very relational. It was very much, like, bringing people together and even mentoring some of the students, um, guiding people and in you know, some you know, problems, you know, counseling them, things like that. So it's very, very relational. Well, I um, was you know, friends with a lot of these RAs, so I thought, well, maybe I should do this. I don't know. So I felt like I wanted to go for it, but I was, of course, afraid because that would mean that I needed to be a leader and I felt really weak and I wasn't sure if I could make these decisions and lead these people. And so... I just decided to go for it, and I got the job, which was really humbling and exciting at the same time. Well, a part of RA training, RA training takes place two weeks before everyone gets there for the year. But a part of RA training was um, a camping trip at the very beginning. So we went off on a camping trip up in Minnesota. And it was just kind of a retreat, that kind of thing. Well, the first night of the camping trip was our solo. Now, we all knew this solo was going to happen, but none of us wanted to do it. The solo was meant for us to be by ourselves and really to gain um, kind of insight on what we needed to focus on for the year be by ourselves, be with God, pray, read the Bible, things like that. Just kind of get yourself centered. Well, this solo was 24 hours long. And so we were by ourselves. In the woods like what that's kind of weird, okay, so we were by ourselves in the woods now the RDs who were the adults, they all placed us about fifty feet from each other so we really, we really weren't that far away from each other. We were not supposed to talk. some people did. I did not because I followed the rules, right so um, with the RDs so they gave, they gave each of us four things they gave each of us a tarp, some string, enough toilet paper.. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then um, a two-liter bottle of water because I forgot to tell you that we were fasting. So this is kind of intense, okay? Especially for a college student. Like, what, what is the purpose of this? This is weird. So we do the solo, and oh, I forgot. I forgot to tell you one thing. Um, we could only have the clothes that we were wearing. We had our sleeping bag, but no pillow, and then we could have our Bible journal and a pen. That was it. Okay, so that was scary in and of itself. But a few days before I went off to school for training I was with my friends and we were out like We went to see a movie So anyone who is about my age would remember the movie The Blair Witch Project
0: <laughs>
1: you Remember that movie? Yeah. So it's about um, Paranormal activity in the woods And um, It's set up to be like a documentary So they make you think that it was actually Happening but it, but it wasn't So we go see this movie and of course it's scary And you know I'm just scared because of that. But then I'm laying in bed that night, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I am going camping in a few days. I'm going to be in the woods by myself. So I start to freak out, and, of course, nothing happened. Blair Witch, you know, none of that happened. Um, But I really felt like I was super afraid of this solo because of that, but also because when it got down to it, I was just really afraid of being by myself with God, like, 24 hours? Like, that's a really long time. And now that I think of it, I was really afraid of feeling condemned by him, which may seem like weird, but I felt condemned um, or felt like he was going to condemn me because of things that I've done or the things that I didn't do. And I felt like in that time when I couldn't get away from him, I felt like he was going to say that he was displeased with me. And then I also felt like my thoughts about myself would get the better of me. You know, you are your own worst critic. I've always been a perfectionist for my entire life. My mother could tell you stories, okay? So if I don't get something right the first time, I feel like I fail. So I felt like in this time of 24 hours that I was going to feel condemned by either God or me. Well, of course, I did not experience any of that. I felt like he gave me his deep peace during that time. His deep peace. And this verse comes to mind, and it really brings me a lot of comfort. It is by our actions that we know we are living in the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before the Lord, even if our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. So even if our hearts condemn us, he is bigger than our hearts. And he does not condemn us. If we know Jesus, we belong to him, and that's the end of the story. There is peace. So that really just hit it for me. Well, after my RA experience, I only had about a year left of college. So I felt like I needed to really continue to embrace all these different opportunities. This is the time also when God started to stir in my heart a desire to get out, to really get out of my comfort zone in terms of wanting to experience difference, wanting to experience different relationships with different types of people, different um, places, things like that. I felt like he was really giving me a desire for diversity and being in multicultural communities. Well, a great way to um, experience diversity is through mission trips. If you've ever been on a mission trip, you know that it changes your life, and you know you know that it probably changes your life more than the people that you serve, because you're just putting yourself out there and you're just learning a lot about yourself, about God, about people. Well, I went a senior year. I went on a mission trip to Jackson, Mississippi. Northwestern offered these spring break trips. And I actually didn't want to go because I didn't feel like Jackson was very cool, you know. (laughs) I felt like I wanted to go to, like, New York City or San Francisco or something like that. But those trips were closed, so the last one available was Jackson, Mississippi. Wasn't excited, but I decided to go anyways. Well, this trip, um, we went to help a ministry called Voice of Calvary. And their mission was to seek racial reconciliation in Jackson. Well, one day we're at lunch, a bunch of us students were at lunch with the staff of the the ministry. This woman sits down across from me. It's an older African-American woman. So immediately I place that as a separation between us, that we are not similar. Well, she looks at me with a genuine, beautiful look on her face, and she says, What are your hopes and dreams? And she's very interested in what I have to say. And that separation just completely went away because she was speaking my language. Like I love talking about my hopes and dreams. That's what I'm trying to do in college and that kind of thing. And so I really feel like God like pinpointed this experience as like being the, the first time when I really started to see that I wanted to be a part of unifying communities. Now I don't always get it right. I don't I don't always put myself in diverse communities and challenge myself in that way, but that is part of the reason why I'm here. That's part of the reason why I want to be in the in the SSB community. That is that's part of why this church is here. They wanted to be in a multicultural community. So, <clears throat> hopes and dreams, back to that question. That's a pretty powerful question. Now, I'm not talking about like when you were younger and you wanted to be a rock star. Like, I'm talking about the hopes and dreams that God has placed inside you. And more than that, like, his calling on your life. Like, what is the calling on your life? What gives you joy? What can you not help but do? But maybe, maybe you've stopped dreaming. Maybe you've stopped dreaming because life happened or... Something specific happened. Someone someone happened. And you stopped dreaming. You stopped pursuing those things that God has placed on your heart. The things that you know that you're supposed to not only do, but the person that you are called to be. If you don't know what you're supposed to do or who you're supposed to be, I would encourage you to really read the word and start praying about it. Matthew 7, 7 says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. If you want to see God work, you need to start praying. And I will tell you more about that later on. Because that is what's happening in my life right now. Second part of realizing his deep peace was through my senior year. Um, The first time I experienced deep peace was through that solo experience. Second time was when I went when I went to London um, for a semester, first semester abroad. I felt like I got the whole independent college thing down, but I really wanted to keep you know embracing all these challenges, even though they were really fearful. So I decide to apply to go to London for a semester. I I get into it, um, and so I'm I'm planning to go. Well, I remember going to the airport on September 2nd, 2000. Don't calculate my age. Thank you. Okay. So 2000. So that was before 9-11. So my parents could walk me to the gate. Okay. Now I see the sign. It's my flight number and the word London next to it. And I almost got sick. Like just seeing that it was just like reality hit me and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't get out of this, can I? So, so I just sat there and I just read through my journal. Like I'm a big journaler, so I just read through my journal. I read through different things that I'd written down, different Bible verses. I read different encouraging notes from people, my friends, things like that. I just really tried to remind myself of the truth that I was going to be okay, that God was with me. Well, here are some of the, the verses that I was trying to remind myself about. I was trying to calm myself down with Isaiah 41.10, my favorite verse. So do not fear, for I am with you. I was trying to thank God. I was trying to remember that this is I- extremely exciting and super cool to go to London, right? So I was trying to be, like, happy about this. Um, Psalm 92.4, you thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. I was also trying to pump myself up. I kind of picture myself like punching fear in the face, you know? Um, Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I was trying to remember those truths. Well, do you know that the moment I stepped foot on that plane, I had complete peace. Like, complete peace. And that takes a lot for me to have complete peace. And that was only God. That whole, that whole seven-hour flight, I had no anxieties, no worries, nothing. That is a big deal, okay? So, again, he gives me his deep peace. And it's funny that, like, when you are faced with your fear and you are choosing to face your fear, he comes in and gives you his presence and gives you that comfort. I felt like he was honoring my choice to remind myself of his truths. So you can probably see a theme in my life, right? You see a theme that I keep running back to fear when I know that I don't have to. When I know that I have the Lord. Like, he keeps reminding me, Mandy, I have you. Mandy, I have you. I'm committed to you. It's almost like I put fear on like a backpack. Like, every day I put my fear on because I feel like that's just the most reliable thing. And... Really, we all kind of have backpacks, right? We all put stuff on that's unnecessary, unnecessary burdens that we feel like we have to carry and we don't. So what what's in your backpack? Okay, mine is fear, mine is people pleasing, mine is questioning myself, and I've got a lot of others, okay? But what is in your backpack that you put on every day and you don't need You don't need to hold on to that stuff. You don't need to hold on to shame or unforgiveness or bitterness or even pain. I'm not saying that everything's going to be rosy, but I'm just saying that we don't need to carry that stuff by ourselves. So how do we begin to replace that stuff with the love of Jesus, with the truth of Jesus? It doesn't seem to be that easy. But I think the first thing that you need to do, that we need to do, is remind ourselves that his love for us never, ever changes. Never, ever changes. I really started to deal with my backpack after college. I went um, on to my career in higher education, so the, the college community and no, I didn't still want to be a college student. I just still wanted to stay in that area of influence. I was very impacted, as you can see, by my college experience. So I wanted to continue doing that. I started out at a college in southern Illinois for three years um, as an admissions counselor and a resident director. But I actually want to tell you about the next college I worked at. I decided that I wanted to spread my wings and just kind of apply like, all over the country. So I did that. Guess where I ended up? What? Yeah. Why do I keep moving to small towns? I don't know. Okay. So I end up at John Brown University in Arkansas, and I was a resident director for three years. And like I said, I started to really deal with the stuff that I struggled with. Now, this is the stuff that you normally don't talk about. The stuff that you may hide. The stuff that you don't want people to know about. A lot of times, Christians will believe that we need to Exude this perfect life and perfect, um, you know, perfect choices and all of that when really we struggle just like everybody else. So I was really nervous to start talking about my struggles, but I knew that I needed to. I had a good group of friends, and, and they really just brought up a lot of stuff, and I was like, oh, wow, I can share in this group? Like, what if they judge me and things like that? I was really afraid that people would find out that I'm very judgmental most of the time. What if people find out that I have sexual struggles? What if people find out that I don't talk about Jesus very much with my non-Christian friends because I get kind of embarrassed? What if people find out that I don't always love students and that's my job? (laughs) So I was really worried about some of these things, about people finding out. But I decided to talk to a good friend of mine, Lindy. And she was a um, fellow RD and friend. I decided to share one of my deep struggles with her. Of course, when you do that, when you share your heart with someone, you share what you're going through, kind of your skeleton in your closet, there's a, there's a great deal of vulnerability in that. And there's a great deal of risking that they won't love you anymore. They won't accept you. They'll think you're weird or fake or weak, things like that. So I decided to tell her one day, and her exact... Her, her response was kind of perfect. She had dealt with the exact same thing. Now, I'm not rejoicing in her struggle, but I'm saying that she understood what I was going through. She accepted me, and she understood, and she still loved me as her friend. So that's really powerful. So that's when I really started to experience the freedom of Jesus. The Bible talks about freedom in Christ, and like, what does that really mean, and stuff like that. Well... Let me tell you what it means. Romans 3 24, yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. We get so entangled in our shame and our guilt of things that we've done or haven't done, and we just carry that with us. And then with Christians, sometimes we believe that we just have to put on a happy face and everything's fine. Another verse, and since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. So that is the freedom of Christ. We are free. We are free from the power of all this stuff in our backpack. When I told Lindy my struggles, I felt like, even though I was afraid of this, I knew that if I spoke these words out loud, I knew that I was giving God the green light to say, okay, you can deal with this. You can deal with this now, Lord. I can't handle this anymore. I can't keep fighting this on my own. You have to help me. And I also felt like it was kind of me opening my hands up and just saying, whatever you want, Lord. Lord. I'm done trying. So now, what do you need to give God the green light on to start working on in your life? What is it that you um, maybe feel like you need to keep carrying, but I want you to imagine your life without that burden. What would it be like? Because God is powerful, and he can, he, he can deal with the stuff that we can't. So I want to acknowledge, though, that some of our struggles are not that bad. They're not bad in and of themselves. Okay? Sometimes we just allow good things to maybe have too much power over us. I've done that in my life. I have placed too much power and importance on certain things that I have had in my life. So I'll get into that in a minute. I've kind of placed my identity where it should not lie, I've realized that Jesus is my identity. So during this really life-giving time at JBU, I was there for three years, but I did decide to move on after that. I felt like I needed to move up in higher education, move up as far as um, professionalism goes. I'd just gotten my master's, so I thought, you know what, it's, I'm done at JBU, I'm going to just keep moving moving on somewhere else. So I moved back home to Chicago, and I decide that I'm going to keep applying for jobs but I thought that I might look into a nonprofit because that might expand my horizons, but I still really wanted to hold on to the whole higher education college thing. Well, I was applying everywhere, and nothing was happening. i was I was interviewing, nothing was sticking. And you know, here's where my fear comes back in, right? My fear of failure, Why did I get my master's? I obviously can't get a job in my field. What am I doing? What are my friends going to think of me? What is my family going to think of me? Well, I decided that the only thing I could do was seek out an acquaintance I had at a crisis pregnancy center. And I asked her if there was a job available. And she said there was. I was like, great. Well, it was an abstinence educator position. Okay, so if you are not familiar with what that is, an abstinence educator goes out to schools, mostly schools, some churches, and tells students to not have sex until they get married. Now, this is a weird job, okay? (laughs) This is very weird. Now, Christians are all about abstinence, right? Like, yeah, that's great, you know? And I really believed in it, but you want me to tell people about that? (laughs) What? So... (laughs) So I did take the job actually and um, it was really a scary thing, obviously because I was teaching something kind of lame (laughs) to the world, you know, but also I had to be a public speaker and I was terrified of that, but secretly I always wanted to be a public speaker. I always wanted to be a public speaker because I just felt very inspired by people's stories, right? But I never thought I could do it. So, this was God's opportunity to be like, here you go, you're gonna do it. Well, <laughs> it's funny. Um, I had a significant battle with God, especially that first year of this job, okay? One night when I was feeling sorry for myself, crying and praying and stuff like that, I really felt like God spoke to me, not audibly, but I really sensed His presence again, and I felt like He told me three things. I felt like he said, I've never left you, you are right where you're supposed to be, and you will be in higher education again. I felt like he said those three things. I wanna focus on the first two. You are right where I want you to be, and I've never left you. That's pretty powerful. That brought me a lot of comfort because it meant that I did not miss anything. It meant that I didn't mess it up. That I didn't make a mistake in leaving JBU. Like, that this was part of his purpose. Even though I still struggled with it, even though it wasn't totally what I wanted, if it was his purpose, like, I could could rest in that. I realized that I was kind of placing my identity in my job. That's why I was having such a hard time, because I was placing my identity in what I was doing. And, you know, a lot of us do that, and it's not bad to place importance on your job. You should be successful at it. But I was kind of taking. I was kind of crossing that line into. I had to be in this certain type of job, and if I wasn't, I was a failure, which is not true. The verse um, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who are called according to His purposes. Like He has you. He has you. If you're questioning where you're at, if you're questioning, like, why did this happen? Why did I have to go through this? There's a purpose in it. There's a purpose. So as I look back at my life, I feel like he's really directed my steps. These, this first year of abstinence um, turned into seven years of abstinence teaching. Crazy, Right? But it was so good because he allowed me to keep working with students and to really understand kind of what they're thinking and why they do stuff that they do and all of that. Um, I got into public speaking. I networked with people. Like, it it was the right thing for me to do. But in the last year or so, I really was feeling this tension of just wanting more. I think the whole time I really wanted something more and something different. But I felt like I needed to stay in this job because... It was where God called me for that time, and I felt needed there, and I felt like there were good things happening there. And I was growing, so it was kind of like this tension. I was wanting to stay, but I was still wanting more. But I started to get more serious about praying about where I needed to be next. Started applying for jobs again in higher education. Like, probably back in January through August, I was applying for these jobs. And it was like trudging through mud for me. It was so hard to even work on my resume. Like, it was just such a battle. Um, Just, I don't, I just felt like it was, again, sense of failure, sense of what am I doing? Is this a mistake? Should I stay? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I really then prayed. I was kind of desperate. And I was like, Lord, you just, I need you to make this easier. I need you to make this easier for me. And I need you to just let this fall in my lap. Would you please just do this? I just can't do it anymore. Well, something fell in my lap. Something fell in my lap. Um, I was talking to a friend on the phone. He works, he works at this um, after school program. We, it was like two months ago. Talking. And he's like, Mandy, I think you should really apply for this job. I was like, really? I never pictured myself in an after-school program before. But I actually really admired this particular after-school program um, ever since they started about five years ago. Well, I applied. I got the job. And on October 4th, I started as a program associate at the Bridge Teen Center in Orland Park. So I did leave the pregnancy center. It was difficult, but it was definitely time. So I can just really see how God has directed my steps. This this still isn't exactly what I thought I'd be doing, but I can still see his work in me. I love the people I work with. They're super energetic, just like me. Um, They are a lot of fun. I will continue public speaking, leadership development, things like that. God is still working on me with my love of middle schoolers, though. Still working on that. They're a little hyper, even for me. Um, So... It's been really good. Um, Another part, the last part to my story, is throughout my entire time at this crisis pregnancy center, uh, I had a second job at Starbucks. And I did this mostly for insurance reasons. You get insurance when you work there. And I I chose to work there this entire time. I felt called there for different reasons. But it was still difficult. anyone who's had two jobs or more than that will understand that it's difficult to manage your life. Um, you sometimes feel like you're missing out on things. You, Well, I felt sorry for myself. I got bitter. I was crabby a lot. Um, things like that. But at this point, I really, you know, just a couple months ago, started to pray about this. Like, Lord, what, what do you, what's next for me? Well, again, he provided... Um, my boss at the bridge two weeks ago came to me and said that they wanted to make me full-time on December 1st and I get benefits. So So my last day at Starbucks is next Sunday. So it was supposed, it was going to be today, but it's actually next Sunday. Um, so that's pretty crazy. Um, And I'm just, every every time I think about this, I just feel so thankful and so grateful. I'm really going to miss the discounts at Starbucks. (laughs) I really am. And I'm going to miss my friends, but I am so glad that that I get to have one job. Like, I can't, like, what will I do with my time? I'm so excited. Um, So now, it's just, it's really amazing how God really knows our hearts. And I really want to just bring this home. Um, What do we walk away with today? What is the big picture? Worship team, you can come up. For as long as I can remember, I've been afraid. And I've made that the theme of my life. I've always thought that it would be a part of me. I've always thought that it would have power over me. But let me tell you that the power was taken away when God chose me as his own. And it was taken away when, actually at the cross, it's taken away for all of us. And he said, he, it's like he said to us, I've got this, go be free. So if you know Jesus, are you believing and are you activating and acting like you're living in freedom? And if you don't know Jesus, do you want to experience that freedom? All of these realizations that I've had that his peace is with me, his peace is real, he loves me, he values me, his presence isn't incomparable... All of these realizations are clear pictures of the truth and freedom of Jesus. And this is what we need to keep activating in our life, to keep realizing and remembering. So what are you facing today that you need his power to impact? What are you struggling with that you might need his grace to change? I know that we all need this because we're all human and we all have stories. We are all in need of his hope and redemption, which are my favorite parts of the story. So I really encourage you and challenge you to take off your backpack of unnecessary burdens and replace them with the truth and freedom of Jesus. It is time that we started acting like we're free. Let me pray. Father God, thank you so much for your love and your mercy and your faithfulness to us. I pray, God, that you would continue to minister to our hearts, that you would help us to see what you want us to see and to let go of the things that you want us to let go of. Would you be specific with us? And would your spirit just encourage us right now? We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.